All right, Mr. Host. <laughs> Wait, I forgot, the, I forgot the name of our show. What is it called? <laughs> Did you hear that podcast? Did you hear that podcast? Did you hear that podcast? Podcast. Hi, I'm Maurice Carlos Ruffin, and welcome to Did You Hear That Podcast? The podcast that reviews some of our favorite podcasts from all around the world so that you, our listeners, can find out what's worth listening to. And I'm joined today by the spectacular Emily Stat Strong and the one and only Jadi Mwendo. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I have uh, three quick news items. And I think this is the part, like if we had a huge budget, we have like an intro song for this. But... <laughs> da, 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 da. Yeah, like something very new. like, like typewriters going or something. Okay, so the first bit of podcast news from this week is... Uh, AdWiz surpasses 1 billion monthly podcast downloads. I will admit, I've never heard of AdWiz, but apparently they're the platform that allows companies like NPR, NBC, and uh, Stitcher to operate. And so they've passed a billion, which means that apparently podcasts are very popular and the industry is doing very well right now. Um, Wait, real quick, my second before news you item, move on to your second news item, I just want to say, if we do ever sell ads, I really, really want to be uh, to have the, some of the mattress ads because I want one of those free mattresses that's like... <laughs> Really good. I need a better mattress. Actually, we need a better mattress as well. So I'm with you on that. <laughs> you know, give us give us some free mattresses and some and some money, and we will we will put a mattress ad and, and in every episode. It, while we're at it, I need a Tesla. So ads for that as well. You know. As <laughs> uh. <laughs> to ads, you know, it's funny because like usually the shows have ads that match the shows. So like I know Jody could probably tell you about like um Rogan like getting all these like sex advertisers, the same for other shows where it's like you couldn't even say some of those things on a lot of these other programs. Um for me, I just want to get like a free sweater with like a big um R on like my insignia. <laughs> you just want to get some of that Kanye swag. That's exactly it. That's all I want. That's it. <laughs> so advertisers, Maurice is a big Kanye fan. He was lusting after the sweatshirt, like the, what was it? A hundred dollar, $150 sweatshirt on Kanye's site. Yes. When he was running for office, I'm sure it is like a big, like a big dump site with those things. And I'll take all of this. Oh yeah. Place. They're in a warehouse somewhere. <laughs> So our second bit of news comes from uh, Deadline, uh, the online magazine that covers uh, arts and entertainment. And this is interesting. Uh, the title is The Rise and Fall of Producer Don Simpson Explored in a 24-part podcast series, The Don, from iHeartRadio. And uh, the tagline is uh, The Life and Death of Don Simpson, the producer behind American Gigolo, Flashdance, Beverly Hills Cop, and Top Gun. What do y'all think? Do you want 24 uh, ep episodes of a podcast about that? 24 episodes. I mean, I, you know, I think the Improvement Association Serial's newest was five episodes just now. I think five to eight to 10 seems to be like a pretty consistent number, like, but like under 10 and 24 episodes, maybe it'll surprise us and there'll be a lot to dig into, but that seems excessive. It seems like there's going to be a lot of re repetition. Yeah. I was thinking it just depends on how interesting it is, you know, like you might get in there and be like, whoa, this dude lived a crazy life, you know, <laughs> and you want all 24 episodes, but uh, you know, I don't know. I guess you never know till you find Yeah, that's out. really, I mean, that's a lot of episodes. I feel like some of the most prestigious ones are, like Emily said, very short, um, or the ones that sort of like live in the, in, the, in the mythos. Like there was the one a few years ago with, um, was like Finding Richard Simmons, and it was only like six episodes long or eight episodes, something like that. But it was fascinating. I wanted more. Mm -hmm. And you also have to ask yourself, how long is each episode going to last? Because if each episode's 10 minutes, 
I guess, or five, you know, I doubt that's going to be possible, though. I mean, it really sounds like each episode is probably going to be 45 minutes to an hour. So that's like 24 hours. Like, like, if you think of that in movie, yeah, if you think about that in movie time, or like a documentary time or whatever, like you either have to be a huge fan of that guy's work, or you have to really, really, really trust the producers, the hosts, the people making the show. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I should. I won't be too catty or petty, but I'll tell you, there's a podcast that's only like three minute episodes. And I listened to an episode last night. It's kind of like a factually based episode, a show about different geographical areas. And it was a three minute episode and like two of the minutes was just like all incorrect facts that I know from history. I was like... <laughs> Oh my goodness. Um, so in a second, we are going to uh, ask about, um, I think, like some of your favorite things you've heard this week. But the, the third podcast item, um, this is a CNN article about the podcast that puts the lie to cancel culture. It's a pretty substantial article about uh, sort of reclaiming history and setting the record straight. And of course, it is about Emily's personal favorite. You're wrong about. You're, you're wrong <laughs> about. That's right. Exactly. Starring. I'm uh, not wrong about. You're wrong about. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, the fix is in. Emily had, has already influenced the culture to get everybody to listen to it. They were like in the top 10 best episodes, or I mean, best podcasts, like in 2019, I think. So, and that was before I discovered them because I discovered them last year during the pandemic. Um, so, I won't claim any credit for influencing the culture on this one. I heart them. <laughs> And on that note, we will uh, move to our next segment. <laughs> Would either of you like to tell us about interesting podcast you've heard? Maurice, you actually introduced me to, well, first of all, I finished the Improvement Association. It's so nerdy. It's such a nerdy topic. It's a vote, you know, it's a, it's like one of the only cases of, of actual um, voting hacking, but it's not called hacking. What is it called? Why is my brain not working? Fraud. Fraud. Thank you. <laughs> voting fraud. It's just so specific to like the town and... But it somehow it's so universal and it's so interesting. And Zoe Chase, who's the who's the host of the show, um, and did all the research and interviews, or a lot of the research and interviews, is just really amazing. And this is one of my first intros to Zoe Chase. Although I know Maurice said that um, he was a big fan, but now I'm a big fan because the show was just so well produced. And then Maurice does introduce me to a lot of podcasts, and so he finally got me to listen to Dirty John. <laughs> I can't believe I can't believe I missed the Dirty John boat. But this is so typical of me that I don't think of myself as a person who's late to adopt, but I am a lot of times. Like I was always listening to my parents' music growing up and wasn't listening to all the, you know, the music that my friends were talking about in school. So I always seem to be just a little bit behind my contemporaries. Then I'll find stuff later or Maurice will tell me about stuff later. But I like true crime podcasts and Maurice has been, has talked up Dirty John a couple of times and I, I finally listened to the show and it was, I don't know. I mean, I gave Maurice a lot of my thoughts about it but I mean I don't know I don't want to be catty but I didn't like the host's voice that kind of that kind of bugged me a little bit but then I just got used to it (laughs) after time because I was interested enough to keep listening I didn't like a lot of the characters in the show and I had to own up to like some sort of internal misogyny in that too because there was some part of me that was just like man how did you get yourself in this situation (laughs) you know like with some of the women that he took advantage of particularly like the main the main woman that the main story you know focuses on so yeah I had to really grapple with like a lot of that stuff how I've been trained just as much as anybody else in our society to blame women for what happens to them and also to like laud them for what doesn't happen to them like what they're able to prevent happening to them in their lives it was really interesting I I listened to the full set of regular episodes and then I listened to like the live episode that um that they recorded afterwards and then the main host was like a guest on that but it was hosted by somebody else that works for the same newspaper and they had a lot of the people that were involved in the story there a lot of the 
women. And Dirty John's first wife has become very supportive of his last wife. And, you know, I don't want to spoiler alert because like stuff happens, but these women that you wouldn't think would be aligned with each other end up supporting each other through everything that happens. And that was really kind of cool to hear. And then what I really liked about the live episode is that they had members of... No, I'll, I'll help you here with this. And I'll just say like a, a lot of these programs that deal with like podcasts and um, films, mm-hmm. like they just like issue like a general spoiler because people are coming to hear about it anyway. So yeah, it's an, it's an old podcast at this point. So if you want to like tell people what happened, it's fine. So it's an old podcast. Everybody in the world but me has listened to it. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't listened to it either. I haven't even heard of it till y'all just. Well, it's interesting, it. Jody. It's interesting. I I kind of wanted to send you. I was thinking about asking you guys to talk about the live episode, like to review the live episode. But you really can't review the live episode without having listened to all of the main episodes, and there's only six, so it is relatively like in and you know short in and out. With the live episode, it's seven episodes, and then there's like some bonus episodes that are like inside the TV series because now there's a TV series based on it, and I haven't listened to those episodes yet. But I mean all in there's like 10 episodes um and that's including the bonus and the live episodes but it's one of those things where you it's like a whole journey you have to go on as maurice told me you kind of you can just listen to one but like i wasn't all that impressed with the first one and if i had just stopped there there's a lot of stuff that i wouldn't have thought about i you know um i mean i would have thought about it in other context but i had the opportunity to think about it because i listened to the show anyways well what i wanted to say is there i can't like a women's shelter or like a anti-domestic abuse group that's who they had at the live episode. So they had people who are experts in domestic abuse and coercive control is a thing that Dirty John implemented in his in his abuse of his partners and women in his life. And coercive control is a relatively new concept that we're starting to talk about in relation to uh, domestic abuse. And it's, you know, you don't even have to like actually physically abuse somebody in order to exert coercive control and sort of emotional abuse and on them. So I don't know, I was really fascinated by the live episode in particular and all of the women's stories and listening to how they sort of supported each other. And it was really weird because it's like, it would have been really cool to see it. You know, that was like one episode where it would have been great to see it, but I kind of felt like I was watching it. Like the audio was so indicative of like, you know, everybody's been at a panel of people. We all have seen like a a group of people sitting on a stage and been in a room full of people. So it's like, I kind of felt like I was seeing it while I was hearing it. So it was pretty cool. I'll just talk about one more real quick, but a friend of mine has this really great podcast that I listen to on Spotify because it's not on not on Stitcher called There She Goes and it's women's travel stories and I'll probably uh, send you guys an episode hmm. or two of this series at some point to review. Yeah, let's let's review one of those. That yeah, they're pretty short so there's part of me that kind of wants to recommend that you guys listen to at least two of them like the first two because I know that one of you is going to pick Rogan one day and I'm going to have to listen to some three hour behemoth because <laughs> like right now they have seven <laughs> episodes total and they're all 15 minutes or less and what's really cool about the show um my friend is Lavinia Spaulding one of the hosts of the show is they it's kind of a brilliant concept where basically they introduce they have like an introduction that they've already pre-recorded and they play that at the beginning and the end of every episode and then inside the episode is a woman reading travel writing story that she's written so it seems very sustainable from a producing standpoint like they're short and they're not doing interviews except apparently there are listeners ask them why aren't you doing 
doing interviews. You should do interviews. And so like episode six, I think it was, was an interview with one of the episode five. It's called like, uh, there she goes again, a bonus with uh, Faith Deli. And it was like a interview with the woman of the previous episode. So maybe that's one of the episodes I'll, I'll recommend to you guys, but it's a good show. It's, you know, you're going to get like little tastes of different parts of the world, different women's experiences traveling throughout the world. And you're going to hear it directly from them, which is really cool. And that's how the two hosts of the show met was actually just kind of meeting, having a meal and sharing stories about traveling because they're both travel writers. So they wanted to sort of share that experience with Mm. their listeners. Maurice, what podcast did you listen to this week? I listened to a bunch, but some of the ones that struck me this week were I was introduced to a show called Switchblade Sisters and just like a great title, right? Switchblade Sisters. And it is um, a a filmmaker and she interviews other women filmmakers about their favorite movies, Um, often genre films. You know, I was shocked to sort of scroll through their feed that one of the ones they talked about was um, Defending Your Life, which is a 1980s Albert Brooks film. A personal favorite of mine that I watched on HBO probably like once a month, like three or four years. And it was a great in-depth discussion about like the meaning of art, the meaning of film, uh, about the philosophy of being a human being. And it was just, um, it was great. So so there's that one and there's uh, two others that I'll bring up real quickly. Um, you know, speak, speaking of like topics that sometimes are difficult or, or maybe even uninteresting, there's one about baseball called The Edge Houston Astros and I had had this in my feed like mm. it's like a potential listen to for probably like a year now or at least six or seven months and I was like you know what dude it's right there give it a listen and the first episode was fascinating I mean they're going into how like the Astros like the, one of the worst teams in, in the history of baseball and how they contrived this entire scheme and it worked and the sort of uh, machinations of like them cheating to win the um, the, the pennant was just World the, the World Series excuse me was, was just really interesting to me uh, huh, you had me at baseball <laughs> you haven't heard of this podcast, Judy? I've never heard of it, but it sounds interesting. You're talking about when they were banging on the trash cans to let That's the, one. Um, the hitters know what the pitch what pitch was coming and all that. Yeah. That's the one. And just like the only detail that really okay. like, like I would bring up that caught me was there's this reporter who was like trying to figure out why this team was so historically bad. And so he did an article saying, look, these guys who run this team are really smart. In like five years, they're going to like win everything. And he puts a picture on the front of the magazine of like their like 1970s uniform. And it says the 2020 Astros have been the best team in history and people are like groaning then he's right they like win in like two years and you know take mm-hmm. everything over but of course they, they were cheating and then the last one I was interested in and, and in fact I may bring this in it's like one of my main episodes eventually there's a BBC radio podcast called Multi Story, and they have these sort of very intimate portraits of like British life and this episode was about strangers people you like meet in the supermarket people that like save your life and you don't know the identity and I th- it was one of the most emotional mm. and like fantastic life affirming things I've heard. It's only like 30 minutes long. So I may bring that back at some point. Um, it's always a good show, but that one in particular was just fascinating. Multi-story. Okay. Mm. I, I wonder how much the trash can banging actually helped them because a lot of pitches, especially like when you heard the old school pitches, because stealing signals is not new to baseball. Everybody right. has done that since the dawn of the game, looking to see what the pitcher is going to throw. But a lot of the greats and a lot of just regular baseball players don't want to know what's coming because it throws off their timing it throws off you know whatever whatever like they would rather just see the pitch hit the pitch you know so i don't know i wonder how much the the trash can banging actually helped because the the astros lost a ton of games but in doing that you get to draft better players they traded good players for um my, for good minor league players
players who became great major league players. So it's not like they just cheated their way with sucky players. You know what I mean? They had great players on, on their roster, you know? So I don't know. I, I want to listen to that podcast now. Well, Jody, I think we, we may have a future episode you want to do on, on our show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, so uh, I see more sports in my future, but I have a question for you, um, Maurice. I was interested in Switchblade Sisters. Um, That's right up my alley, you know, having worked in film and being a feminist and all of that. The last episode from February says the exciting conclusion of Switchblade Sisters. So is the show over? Yeah, You know, I was going to say that. It's one of the sad things about so many great podcasts is that they're limited Mm -hmm. for whatever reason. And so all three of the ones I mentioned are of the past. They all stopped at least six months to over a year ago. I guess in some ways, that might be a relief because you have some hope of catching up. I don't know if we talked about this in my first episode, but when I started listening to you wrong about like there was this overwhelming excitement, like I was kind of stressed out by it and kind of excited about it, that there are all these episodes that I hadn't listened to, like a hundred episodes. Then when I started to get close enough to catch up, I there was a different kind of anxiety where I was like, I'm about to catch up. And now I have to wait like every two weeks for a new episode. And when they made their announcement that they were going back to their old production schedule every two weeks, I felt this like heart-rending fear that they were going to announce that they were done with the show. <laughs> and I was like, what will I do without this show? Well, we should tell our listeners, Emily, that, you know, when you discovered you're wrong about it, you went in. There were like 100 episodes <laughs> and you heard them all like three weeks or something like that. It was amazing. No, it was longer than that. It took a couple months. Um, Because I, well, partly because I paced myself but also I discovered them during the lockdown. And so like I was I was at home for about two months and it was really hard for me to focus on reading, like physically reading, which I've been a reader my whole, whole, whole life. And it got to the point where I could not focus on words on the page. I A friend of mine wanted me to, I think I mentioned this in the, in the last episode, but a friend of mine wanted me to give him like comments on an essay he wrote. And I kept trying and the words just, I could not focus on the words. It's like I could see them. I knew that they made sense, but I couldn't focus to make sense out of the words. I've never really had that happen to me. And so I had to have my friend read his essay to me so that I could give him feedback. And once I kind of discovered that, I just really engaged in a lot of audio medium, a lot of podcasts and a lot of a lot of audiobooks. And that was sort of how I distracted myself and, and rested during that really incredibly stressful year of last year. I think that's part of my fondness of You're Wrong About is I, it kind of feels like they sort of distracted and saved me during a really, really stressful time too. And I think that's what every podcast host wants is to like for their audience to feel like they know them or they have a relationship with them. I mean, I'm not a scary stalker person. And I know I'm not. And I know that like band devotion can kind of border on that sometimes. But I think I would like I really want to interview them, the hosts of You're Wrong About. I don't tend to get flabbergasted or nervous around around celebrities, but I I think I might around them. (laughs) I think if I were like interviewing them or talking to them on the phone, I would be like squeeing a little. Well, I think that's one of the reasons why we're doing this podcast because I feel like, you know, the reason why this industry has been so successful is because people really do need to have this feeling that they're not alone. And whatever that means to them, mm-hmm. it has something to do with like hearing these voices that you're familiar with and that you trust and that you're on the same vibe with. And, you know, I mean, look, Jody and I like big up Joe Rogan all the time. But he's not the only one, though. You know, some of those early podcasters like Debbie Millman, who's um, Roxanne Gay's partner, like they were way back in the day being that person who you could like be in the office or like washing your dishes or making dinner and kind of go, oh, you know, there's my old friend. And I think that definitely young, You're Wrong About has a, a lot of that vibe to it where they seem like they're friends, therefore they're our friends as well. And I love that about the show. Right. They do sound like two friends chatting on the phone. And to segue to Jody's 
um, podcast. That's what I liked best about this episode, but I don't want to say anything okay. more. Well, look, on that note, we are going to move to our um, to our main <laughs> segment. <laughs> All right, let's go. Let's do it. <laughs> so so on, on that note, um, we are going to bring in uh, Jadi to tell us about his uh, pick for our main segment today. Jadi. So my pick for this week's episode was a podcast called World Championship Boxing, and it was the tribute episode to Marvin Hagler, marvelous Marvin Hagler, the great middleweight champion from the 70s and 80s who died a few months ago. And this guy was an incredible fighter, uh, one of the all-time greatest fighters, and in my opinion, the best heavy, uh, best middleweight of all time. So the podcast host, or I guess he's not the host, but the boxing expert, Robert Silva, wax poetic about <laughs> um, Marvin Hagler's career, uh, did a retrospective, talked about the different fights he had that made him great, um, talked about why he, he quit boxing, you know, all of these things. One of the things that he left out that I really like, and he said this in the episode he did on Marvin Hagler's greatest performances, is that when Marvin Hagler was coming up, Joe Frazier, who was an all-time great heavyweight champion, said to Marvin Hagler because Marvin Hagler was getting ducked. Nobody wanted to fight him. He said, you have three strikes against you. You're black, you're a southpaw, and you're great, you know? <laughs> so that those were the reasons nobody wanted to fight him. Nobody wanted to give him a shot at the world title because he was going to take it, you know? So anyway, I, I'm i a huge Marvin, Marvin Hagler fan, and I was like really struck, you know, in the heart when he died. You know, it really kind of touched me, and and I was I was happy to hear the, the sort of eulogy to one of my favorite fighters. Well, so question for you, gonna... Jody. Can I, ask I, I was going to ask you a question, more? Emily. <laughs> Oh, well, let me ask. Oh, okay, go ahead. Ask me a question, then I'll ask Jody. <laughs> All right. So Jody mentioned uh, Marvelous Marvin Hagler's uh, physicality. So Emily, I have to ask you, what was your favorite <laughs> description of Marvelous Marvin Hagler's body? Well, there were two. There were two. And actually, I was I was looking back through our text exchange because I texted both of y'all when I was listening to it yesterday. There was I was quoting them. Uh, the first one was he was built like a brick shit house, and then and then I love this one too. His chin was as granite as his physique. His physique. I wrote that down too. <laughs> <laughs> I loved both of those, but um, Jody, the question I was going to ask you is, is: Had you listened to this? You listened to this podcast before this episode, though, right? Oh yeah, yeah. So when you said about um, you're wrong about how when you found it, you dove in because it was like right up your alley. It was perfect for you. Mm-hmm. That's how I felt about this episode. I found this uh, about this podcast. I found this podcast maybe two years ago, something like that. And there was a long back catalog of great fighters and great fights that they had talked about. And I was like, oh my God, I cannot believe this exists. I was so excited. And like, my cue was nothing but episodes from this podcast. You know, Salvador Sanchez, Muhammad Ali, Sugar Ray Robinson. You know what I mean? Like just all the greats. I was like, oh my God, this is is perfect. This is exactly what I was looking for. And this honestly is the only sort of boxing history type of podcast that I've ever found. So yeah, this, I, I dove right in and I listened to all of the episodes within the span of I don't know two months something like that we know what I wonder is um, at the end of this episode I mean spoiler alert but at the end of this episode they kind of talk about some hypothetical matchups like if he'd gotten to box a couple of Mm -hmm. have another match with um, with different opponents and that I it made me wonder if um, if they'd done that in other episodes and that was part of your inspirations for your podcast versus yeah the one that I 
hadn't thought about was Marvin Hagler versus Mike McCollum. And I'm probably going to do that one day on my versus podcast. I was already planning on doing Marvin Hagler versus James Tony, And I don't remember if he said Marvin Hagler versus Bernard Hopkins. I don't think so. But I'm, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do Marvin Hagler versus Carlos Monzon. Carlos Monzon is the guy who's commonly considered to be the greatest middleweight of all time. And he came right before, like he retired right before Marvin Hagler started his ascension. So they never fought. But I would do an episode on the two greatest heavyweights of, of all time. Is that uh, is that the guy that they quoted him saying, yeah, it would be a great matchup, except it's never no, going to happen? that oh, okay. was Sugar Ray Leonard. Oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah, that was a real dick move <laughs> by Sugar Ray Leonard. <laughs> Because he had a few fighters. He had Aaron Pryor come as well. Aaron Pryor was a junior welterweight champion, 140-pound champion. And he was also in talks to fight Sugar Ray Leonard. So he had Marvin Hagler there. He had Aaron Pryor there. And I think he had one other fighter, I can't remember, there at the press conference. Because Sugar Ray Leonard, who was the money man, he was the guy who everybody paid to see. He was like an, an Oscar De La Hoya or more recently a Floyd Mayweather. Um, or I guess now Manny Pacquiao. So every Everybody was lining up to see who was going to fight Sugar Ray Leonard. And then he he has all of them come to this press conference and then announces his retirement. That was such a dick move. <laughs> so I, I definitely want to make sure that we, uh, you know, give a shout out here because all podcasts are really about like the sort of personalities of their host. And as a new listener to this podcast, I really found it interesting to like hear uh, Robert Silva. That's his name, right? Robert Silva. Right. Yeah. And like he just reminds me of my sort of New York, like older cousins who like have that sort of brash, mm-hmm. you know, fast talking, like passionate personality. He's like an uncle. I could just like see sitting down in a room. And he just would like talk for, like an hour straight. And you'd be fascinated by it. And he right. just, um, I just want to know, like, because you're so familiar with the podcast, what is he like over the course of the series? Oh, he's exactly like that <laughs> throughout the entire series. Like you can tell, you can feel his passion for the sport and you can, uh-huh. you can feel it through his connection to his father and almost every episode he mentions his father and the way that his father thought about a fighter or the way that his father would think about a fighter who came after his father passed away things like that or or he would bring up a personal memory like me and my father were watching this fight on abc you know in the living room or whatever you know like he brings back like it's like his love for boxing is his love for his father you know the two are so heavily correlated And, and so so that passion to me comes through and and couple that with his sort of encyclopedic knowledge of the sport like in this episode he was uh, ca- calling off dates of events that were happening fights that were happening like off the top of his head like i was like god dang yeah. that's, <laughs> that's crazy when he said that like it was like 15 minutes into the episode he was like yeah i'm just doing this off the top of my head and right. i was like what right i mean i'm a huge <laughs> boxing fan and there's no way i could do that <laughs> there's no way i can do that but yeah so he throughout the entire series his level of enthusiasm and passion for the sport is there that was what i really liked about it because you know me like i like playing sports but i don't really like watching sports but i do like sports movies i will have to say like okay so robert silva was the older guy that was doing the bulk of the talking right and what was the name of the younger guy that was asking him questions from time to time um his name is uh oh, oh not wait a second you mean the young um, person who couldn't get a word in edgewise <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Well, they, um, he had like a Twitter oh handle as a oh. name in the about. So like, I was like, who is this guy? They didn't seem to introduce themselves at the beginning of the show, Logan. which is Logan. Logan. Dang, That's right, Logan. Oh my God. I kept wanting to say Lance <laughs> and I knew it wasn't Lance. 
So Robert Silva was telling Logan like stories, right? It's and, it, and I love that setup of like sort of like an older expert guy kind of telling a younger guy, you know, a younger person like the stories that he knows, like passing on knowledge and passion and all that stuff. I really love that setup because it really kind of made me feel like I was sitting on the porch listening to this guy, and he was so passionate, so passionate, and and often very very funny in, in his descriptions and all of that. That I was like, I honestly don't really care what this guy is talking about. <laughs> Like I, I'm probably not going to listen to a whole, whole lot more episodes unless you make me. But I didn't mind listening to this episode. I enjoyed their voices. I enjoyed their camaraderie. I enjoyed their passion a lot. And and Robert Silva can clearly just tell a story, you know, because it doesn't really matter what he's talking about. You want to listen to him. Yeah. Right. Right. I, I would um, put my two cents in and say that the thing I enjoyed most about it was like he is such a great storyteller and it's you know you're right like it's not something I would look out look for myself um, but part of like listening to a podcast is like they'll like drop a name or like drop an event and you'll go wait what is that and so me I'll get on Wikipedia like even just like scanning Wikipedia really quickly you know even though Hagler has been in my life you know since I was a kid I didn't recognize that he felt disrespected for not being called marvelous so he changed his real name to marvelous Marvin Hagler so they they, they had to call him marvelous in press releases are you know up there in the ring and oh wow i really love the fact that like when silver describes these fights like he just picks so many interesting incidents it's like he's like writing a short story or a novel um the one that stuck in my head the most was the um wembley stadium match mm. like i can't even recall who, who, who he's fighting yeah against alex mentor alex mentor and like the fact that like everybody thinks that mentor is gonna win and you know mentor says like a black man can never possibly beat him and of course Hagler, you know just slices and dices him the crowd gets mad well wait let, 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 let me correct you nobody thought mentor was gonna win oh but mentor <laughs> thought no black man would ever beat him <laughs> he's i think he's the only one that thought he would win that fight i see yeah there you go was he built like a brick shit house right. mentor probably not <laughs> the fact that like you had like this scene of like people in wembley stadium like throwing beer bottles and the cornermen and like the british police the bobbies like coming out there and like protecting him from the bottles being thrown and escorting him over to Howard Cosell and that amazing sequence where he starts like imitating mm -hmm. Cosell's voice. I mean, it was just amazing storytelling. Yeah, he's such a great imitator. I love when he was, and he was doing like the commentators, recapping the commentators. That was really yeah. great. Yeah, no, that's, a, that's really a great episode. But no, I was going to say, because you, you brought up Brick Shithouse. Like, have you seen a picture of Marvin Hagler? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my God, that yeah. dude. <laughs> no, I haven't actually. Let me let me Google. No, I mean, look, Chadi, look. Like, when I, when I saw the text thread about that and Jim, Emily was joking about the brick shit house. I was like, wait a minute, how do he look? And so I pulled his picture up I'm like, and in the episode they say he never lifted weights because old school boxers right. didn't lift weights. I'm like, he didn't lift weights? This guy, you can like, like every one of his muscles it's just like and right there for you to see. Wow. Soul sculpt. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In the old school, old school, wow. they thought that um, the musculature would make you slow, it gas you out. You know, like they were against uh, lifting weights. They thought they thought it would hurt your your skill. I'm not sure if they were right or not, because I mean, fighters lift weights now all the time, just in a different way. They're not doing it for, I guess, power, not power lifting, I guess. And I, I guess it hasn't hurt. It's hurt some heavyweights because they gas out real easily, but. Um, the lower weight classes, it doesn't seem to have hurt them too much. Is it just me? I'm like scrolling through some of these photos. Is it just me or does he look like a little bit like Mike Tyson in some of these photos or Mike Tyson looks like in, him? In terms of his body or in terms Without of the tattoos. Like what, in what way? His face. I mean, maybe it's just the angle of this photo. There's a couple of photos where he looks a little bit like him. He doesn't really look like him straight on. He looks a little bit like him from like three quarters jarned away. Okay. Anyways. I could see the three quarters a yeah. little bit. Okay. So that's not, <laughs> that's not even relevant. So go ahead, Mark. <laughs> 
So, but, but, so like, this is an episode, so this is an episode about boxing and, you know, as Jody has said, this is one of the, like the loves of his life. So I'm just curious, you know, I think what somebody said this in, in some other context, they said, you know, boxing is kind of like becoming like jazz where it's never going to go away, but they're going to be connoisseurs who love it and love the history of it. So can you just like, tell us about your love of boxing? Well, I've always been a sports fan, a fan of competition, not just sports. I'm a fan of competition. And from a young age, my father used to watch boxing and I don't have the kind of relationship I have with my father like Juan Silva has with his father so that's not what I'm saying <laughs> but my father did watch boxing and through him watching boxing I started watching boxing and I remember I remember early fights with like from like Livingstone Bramble versus Ray Boom Boom Mancini you know I was like a little kid but I remember these fights I remember the Erwin Rosario fight versus Julio Cesar Chavez you know and just something about I don't know what it was about boxing because I watched boxing basketball when I was young and I didn't really get into it until I was you know a lot older and probably in, in high school but something about football and boxing like immediately the second I saw it I knew I loved it I remember being with football I remember being almost an infant like like a toddler like I remember being by my grandmother's house and next door were some family members and we were at their house and I was standing watching what I know now was football and fascinated by it and somebody said oh, that baby don't want to watch, you know, no, that baby don't want to watch football or something that turned into some cartoon, which I was fine with. You know, I, I was probably like three, four, I don't know, something like that. Um, So the cartoon was fine. But I remember being fascinated by football and wanting to watch it, you know, Um, and the same thing with boxing. Like as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, what's this? <laughs> you know, this is for me, you know. So um, I don't know, just from a very young age, I just I loved I loved boxing and I've followed it ever since, you know. So you could almost say it was love, love at first sight. It literally was love at first sight. <laughs> <laughs> Football and boxing. That's so crazy that you can remember that far, like that far back when you were that young, you and your dad. Is this like something that you guys still have in common? Is it like something you guys that still connects the two of you? No, not really. He doesn't really watch it anymore. Um, you know, life just gets in the way. You know, it's not that he dislikes boxing. It's just other things in his life started taking priority, you know, and that's where I am right now with sports. Like I used to be a sports junkie, mm-hmm. but you know, just other things in life start to take priority in a way that it forces you to make choices you know (laughs) so you know I just had to pull away from sports more and more you know and so that's what happened with him in boxing he just had to pull away from boxing more and more you know and I'll every now and then I'll bring up a fighter to him or say oh you got to watch this fight um and he you know he's he gets excited about it like oh oh yeah yeah because I've you know, I haven't been watching boxing in so long and blah, 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 blah. And I don't know if he ever actually watches it. We never talk about it again. But, you know, he still likes the sport. He just doesn't watch the sport. (laughs) Well, it seems like, I mean, okay, so as someone who doesn't really watch sports or get into sports, like I have a horrible memory and like a good memory kind of seems to be like part of being a sports junkie because there's all these stats and all these names and all the years and all of that stuff that like most of the people I know who are like sports junkies just kind of can just like, they get, you know, they just start laying stuff out there like stats and dates and names. And you're just kind of like, this feels like history class. And I couldn't remember all this stuff in history class, you know? Well, I'll say this. I've won many a dollar betting people that I could name all the Super Bowl champions from that day back to the (laughs) first Super Bowl. No way. Oh, yeah. I've I've won. (laughs) Now, I can't do it now because my memory is shot. But. Like, I used to bet people about the Super Bowl. I used to bet people about what college a player went to, basketball or football. Um, 
I used to know the World Series back to like 1908. You know what I mean? Like I used to know, you know, this. I, I, I don't remember things like I used to, but when I was at my peak, like, yeah, my memory was there, you know? Wow. So I have to ask like the obvious question, Jody. Um, I mean, obviously, like this was a discussion about one of the greatest boxers of all time. And I think like in the popular consciousness, people know about Muhammad Ali and uh, Mike Tyson. But like, who is the greatest boxer in, in your estimation? Well, a lot of people will say Sugar Ray Robinson. A lot of people will say Muhammad Ali. Um, it's it's hard because there are different eras in boxing, so certain people can't be compared to other people reasonably. And then there's a lot of issues with footage. So most people say Sugar Ray Robinson is the greatest fight of all time, and that's largely based on his fights at welterweight. He went like uh, I don't know, I, I don't know the exact. No, I'm not I'm not Robert Silva, <laughs> but he went something like 140 and one or something like that whoa yeah at welterweight um and but there's no footage of any of his fights at welterweight the only fights that we have is his fights at middleweight and then when he fought uh for the light heavyweight title he was like kind of i'm not gonna say he was washed up but he was not sugar ray robinson when he fought at middleweight you know he was still one of the greatest of all time like just off his middleweight performances he would be an all-time great but apparently he was even better at welterweight so i don't know it's like we with a lot of these fighters we don't have we don't have a record of, of their fights you know we we can go by what the newspaper wrote and this that and the other but i mean i feel like if i don't see it myself then i can't really say you know so who do i think is the greatest i go with muhammad ali and and it's because of so Muhammad Ali when he first burst onto the scene when he he beat Sonny Liston like that dude was probably the best fighter I've ever seen like he would go entire fights getting hit two three four times you know what I mean like his defense his reflexes were just so extraordinary that no nobody could hit him but he would hit you at will you know <laughs> so then after he was uh suspended for not going to vietnam uh for you know taking a stand against the vietnam war he lost three years of his prime his best years and when he came back he was not the same fighter but even still just off his post suspension resume he's an all-time great he, he beat joe frazier twice he beat george foreman he beat um uh, he, he won the title three times you know what i mean which at that time w- was a record you know he like the dude was just extraordinary and that doesn't even get into like his social impact you know just just from an athletic perspective i mean the dude was ridiculous and the greatest heart that uh, only evander holyfield i would say has a heart comparable to ali but even holyfield's heart i don't think matches ali's heart like this dude fought a 15 round fight with a broken jaw i mean the dude was just the dude was incredible he, he was he was incredible one of the things i liked about ali and i know it's a marvin Hagler thing but i'm going i'm waxing poetic about Ali but one of the things I like about Ali somebody asked him one time you know how many sit-ups do you do in training how how many push-ups do you do in training like something like that right and he said I don't know because I don't start counting until I get tired you know so it it was like like, right exactly like the kind of mental toughness that you have to have to you go to exhaustion and then you start counting (laughs) you know what I mean it's like that that's just a mental fortitude that a lot of people don't have and that's what I respect so much about Ali and you could see it in his post suspension career like the the fight against George Foreman George Foreman was like this wrecking ball type of a fighter he was like Mike Tyson in terms of his power he didn't have the hand speed of Tyson or or any of those type of physical gifts that Tyson had but he had the power like he would knock anybody 
out. In fact, George Foreman won the heavyweight championship when he was like 45 years old, 46 years old. He came back and won the heavyweight championship. Straight right hand knocked out uh, Michael Moore. I think it was a right hand, but I don't know. He knocked out Michael Moore because he just had ridiculous power, right? And Ali, for about eight rounds, just was a punching bag. You know, they call it the rope-a-dope, but he just sat back on the ropes and just took George Foreman's best punches. And he would, like, grab George Foreman uh, uh, behind the head, pull him close, and whisper in his ear, that's all you got, George? <laughs> they told me you could punch, you know, stuff like that. So that infuriate George Foreman, and he'd start winging harder. Bah! 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 And Ali is just taking these blows from this murderous puncher, right? And it gasses George Foreman out. George Foreman has nothing left. And Ali asked him, that's all you got? And George Foreman, in one of the interviews, he said, yep, that's all I got. (laughs) (laughs) And then Ali went on to knock him out. You know what I mean? It's like, Ali just had the heart. Like, just, he was just, he was smart. He would psychologically beat you, physically beat you, and then just outwill you. You were not going to outwill this man. Like, I, I love Ali, man. Ali is, yeah, Ali is my favorite fighter. He's probably one of my favorite people. Him and Malcolm X are my two favorite people of all time. And I, I love that man. I, that's the only person I've ever been starstruck by. I was working in Lenox Mall in Atlanta during the 96 Olympics. And like, I, you know, stars would come in there every so often and I'm, I'm never starstruck people in from new orleans we never get starstruck for whatever reason mm-hmm. right they announced that ali was in the mall and everybody went rushing like oh my god ali and i was frozen i was like literally frozen i could not move and i just i didn't go i was like so scared and so nervous like oh. i went back i just i went back uh, like downstairs or whatever and I just I didn't go I couldn't I couldn't see him I don't know why I was like so I don't know I just am, I'm so in awe of that man I love that man so much like yeah so I think what I might have felt if I was in Jody's shoes is like here's this great man who's one of the greatest heroes in history and what if I meet him and like he can't even really see me because I'm not I'm nothing compared next to him mm, something that was that struck me getting back to the episode that we're here to talk about but I love that like you can talk just like you can tell the story about sports just the same way you know as as um our friend Robert Silver. Robert Silver. Well, he he can take over the show like as a like as a temporary host. Yeah, yeah, Johnny. Like we should we definitely send this episode to them so that um, they can hear your your passion. But um, one thing that struck me is that marvelous Marvin Hagler and I believe it was um, Ali. But correct me if it was Tyson and not Ali. They both got started because they wanted to fight somebody like a kid. Yes. Yeah, it was Ali and, and Marvin Hagler. I mean, yeah. that's a number of people. But yeah, in the episode, yeah, he talked about Ali and he talked about Marvin Hagler both wanting to, to fight somebody and learning to box as a result. Yeah, I mean, what do you guys think about that? And I, I, the reason why that I think that I, rem- I remembered that I wanted to bring that up was in relation to what Maurice just said about maybe you were worried about not stacking up to your hero. Is this related? Is this like, I don't know. Yes. <laughs> Like boxing's all about ego and like. Well, I mean, like we had this discussion about like quote unquote toxic masculinity, right? And I do feel like out of almost all of the sports, you know, boxing is the most masculine sport that there is because it really is about there's a person in a ring with no shirt on trying to beat to a pulp another person with no shirt on. And it's like, it's just domination. It's, I mean, there's that strategy, you know, there's training and all that, but it's like, I'm just a bigger, stronger man than you are. And I think it's interesting that even in a lot of professional sports 
now. We're having this wonderful time of having like queer athletes come into it. You know, like in basketball and in football, we see it in tennis and soccer as well. But I'm wondering like how long will it be until you see like somebody who is like a queer male boxer stepping into the ring saying, yo, this is who I am. Maybe maybe it's happening. I'm, 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 un- I'm unaware of it. But I do feel like these stories about um, Hagler and Ali, and I think Mike Tyson had the same experience in his own life, like getting beat up, you know, going to the authorities and saying, hey, can, can you help me? And, and, and them saying, no, this is like, you're a young man. Your job is to go there and beat that person up on your own. We can't help you with that because that's not our job. To me, that's all about what it means to be a man in a sort of traditional sense um, here in, in America. Mm. Well, I think I think it was twofold. I mean, it was that, you know, teaching them how to fight, you know, how to handle yourself because of the masculine aspect. But also, I think it was to try to steer this young kid in a, a positive direction, you know, trying to make sure he didn't go and do something stupid, <laughs> you know, because you know, in, in uh, Ali's case, somebody stole his bike and he was going to go try to get his bike back, you know, so if, if he went and, I don't know, grabbed a bat and beat the dude, you know, who knows what would happen, you know, I don't know. He, I, so I think the cop was trying to steer Ali away from doing something stupid, but also, yeah, the, the masculine aspect of being able to handle yourself physically against, uh, you know, another another man usually uh, is is definitely a, an element, uh, definitely an aspect of it, and I, I think it's something primal, which is why when you said bo- boxing will be like jazz, where it'll never go away. I think because we have something primal in us that is attracted to just two dudes <laughs> fighting, you know what I mean? Two dudes trying to beat each other up, you know? Did I ever tell y'all, um, I actually took a boxing class when I was in college because I was I was excited about it. Um, and then it was basically a routine that we learned. It was basically like jab, jab, you know, and like kick, you know, and all, so it was basically a routine. And I went up to the teacher and I was like, so when are we going to fight each other? <laughs> <laughs> and the teacher was like the teacher was a woman and it was mostly women in this class um in college and and she was like you're not she's like because our insurance won't cover it and that's been the case at pretty much any gym that i've ever gone to but i do know some women now that have gotten into boxing and into fighting like that and i don't think it's just a masculine thing but i think it's like a way that our our heteronormative society has traditionally sort of slighted both men and women you know in a way because women haven't been given a physical outlet like you know to get out aggression or to get out fear or like the, some of those more primal emotions we don't have physical outlets for that that are sort of like allowed you know if, it to be if you're to be feminine and then men you guys don't have a lot of bonding rituals that don't involve competition or violence against each other you know like this was clearly a bonding experience for like Hagler and Hearns yeah and then Silva and his dad and you and your dad and it, oh oh you're talking about that okay I thought you were talking about because oh, um, yeah because Robert Silver talked about Marvin Hagler not liking Tommy Hearns, yeah. but then after they fought, and this happens a lot, like there's always like some kind of animosity towards your opponent, usually. And then after you fight and you like swap, you know, leather and blood and whatever, whatever, it's like what? it bonds you in some kind of a way where afterwards, most of the time, the dudes end up friends. Like Sugar Ray Leonard and Roberto Duran ended up friends. Yeah. Uh, Hagler and Hearns ended up friends. You know, there's a lot of guys that had a lot of animosity towards each other, and after they fought, they became friends you know well some of me and maurice's mutual writing friends like the guys have this like basketball game that they play or whatever and i found myself a little jealous actually of one of the posts that one of them put up um about this bonding experience they have together as guys playing basketball but (laughs) i haven't played basketball in so long so that's definitely like not my bonding experience so to like you know to get into with them but i kind of feel like you know it's a shame that this is the only sort of bonding outlet that men have been traditionally steered towards and it's also a shame that women have sort of been denied 
a physical outlet like this traditionally, mm-hmm. you know, for those more primal expressions, you know, and like for men, it's like sex and violence, right? And for women, it's maybe just sex, you know, because we don't get to like, there's no like socially like approved way for us to be violent. Actually saying that I actually uh, punched a guy twice at a concert who was um, choking my roommate. <laughs> no, seriously, I punched a guy twice at a concert. He was bigger than me. He was almost twice my size but because he, he was choking my roommate um because he was trying to get her to turn her head and kiss him he was trying to force her to kiss him at a concert and he was cutting off her air um he had his arm across her windpipe and i didn't we we didn't know how to get him to stop it was me and another friend um and we were like kind of like being like stop 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 you know like just like smacking him on the arm and trying to pull him off you know or whatever and then finally i was like this guy's on drugs or something he's just not listening and so i just like pulled back and punched him straight up in the face and he got he let her go and the proud cu- cu- crowd kind of pulled him away from me and then he got loose and he was right in my face again and I was like well, what am I going to do this guy is going to tear me apart so I just like reeled back and punched him again and he got that's, that's the right reaction <laughs> so he got pulled was that away after your training you know actually I have to th- go think about that I don't know maybe I mean I didn't get to fight anybody in that training it was just like an exercise but I will say this it was I had forgotten about it for a long time it was like a story that I told for a while because I was like really proud of myself for like defending my friend and for like defending myself and my arm hurt like all the way up to my shoulder for like days afterwards so I really I really <laughs> punched that guy and it was right in the middle of you know when there was an active serial killer and it turned out later more than one active serial killer um in Baton Rouge and so I I got put into an essay that I wrote about that time and I think there was a part of me that like was strutting around kind of being like all right all right come at me I dare you I dare any of you who want to hurt me to come at me because now I, I know how fierce I am I know I will defend myself oh I love it yeah I was really proud of myself and and uh, the listeners don't know but I'm five two I've always been one of the smallest people at least as in adulthood around me and um and so it was a it was a huge rush to know that I could defend myself I think that maybe it was because of that that I went to go get training and I was so disappointed that I couldn't learn how to fight you know or at least not in that venue I actually considered going to a a boxing gym and learning with men because that was like going to be the only way I was going to be able to learn and to actually fight I I was going to say that um to Jody that Emily had one of those who would have messed with Hollywood cold moments It was thrilling, though. It was absolutely thrilling. And I actually went to the boxing nights. You guys remember the boxing nights on Ferret Street? Yeah. Friday Night Night Fights. Fights. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to go to those. I started training at that gym. Did you? Yeah. They're still around. They still have fights, too. Do they? Yeah, they're on um, Aretha Castle Hill. That's right. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. That's right. Um, But I I was going to definitely agree with Emily's point that, like, the the two things you said about men and women and how sports can be both a a divider and something that brings us in. Um, Like, I think for women also, women are often denied the chance to see that they can be really good at something that's very technical. I mean, boxing is extremely difficult. And most sports have, like, these sort of, like, techniques that require a lot of training. And to tell a young woman or young girl, yeah, you shouldn't do that because it's too rough or it's a guy thing, I think it just denies that experience of, like, getting to go in there and try and test yourself and get better at something over time. And then on, like, the idea of, like, you know, men bonding, I mean, you know, it's a cliche, but it's true. Like, you know, men are fine with, like, being around other guys, like, wearing tights if it's on a football field. You know, it's okay to, like, you know, touch another guy if it's, like, on a basketball court. But the same sort of, like, embrace that women have when they greet each other, you know, kiss cheeks, hug, those things are denied to men. And so it's interesting the point you make how sports mm-hmm. creates these sort of barriers that are almost invisible and almost kind of baked into how they're they're built. Yeah, that intimate whisper of like, is that all you got? You know, like that that's intimate. Yes. You know, I mean I mean, I would say like it, it almost sounds like like based on it almost sounds sexual. 
Well, well, I mean, sir, I mean, like, look, certainly there's that aspect of it. And, and also like what Jody said, like the idea that like uh, Hagler wouldn't have known Hearns very well beforehand. And, oh, by the way, my mama's maiden name is Hearns. So when we used to see Hearns on TV, we'd always go, that's our cousin from New York or whatever like that. But I'm not, sure it's, I'm not sure if it's true. But like the idea like you as a boxer would beat a man that you don't know and then try and beat the crap out of him and then like him a lot because you've had this experience. Like there is something about that that tells you about how we treat identity and, and, and masculinity and and um in, in those issues but before we wrap today's show i do want to ask wait 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 i question. was going to make a connection i was going to make a connection though to something the the content warning that johnny gave me too late after i listened to the episode Hop in. he said yeah johnny do you want to like say the content warning you gave me or well yeah i was i was trying to warn you that sometimes he says some misogynistic things but but also in his defense he's also aggressively anti-physical abuse towards women women so it's sometimes a mixed bag <laughs> yeah and it was funny because like i i was glad you, i didn't get that content warning beforehand because i probably would have been like you know on the defensive like trying to like you know and i didn't i don't remember hearing anything that that struck me as misogynistic okay, well, I, that's good that's good what i didn't want to have happened is you heard that and then just blotted out the entire episode <laughs> from your memory and was like i'm not doing this and you know <laughs> I mean, I know I'm a rabid so. feminist, but, you know, I'm, I'm a rabid feminist, but I mean, I've had to, you know, I've had to go through my whole life kind of like, you know, accepting that there are, you know, good people who are, I mean, like, I, I just owned up to misogyny that I recognized within myself, you know, looking at the, listening to the Dirty John episodes and judging the women, the woman, the main woman in particular, uh, who got taken in by Dirty John in the story, you know, um, so like, yeah, misogyny can be internalized. I just think it's important to talk about it you know and and yeah I, I probably do sound just as passionate about talking about misogyny as you are about boxing um so that probably comes across as like rabid feminism unleashed you know <laughs> and it is i suppose but that doesn't that doesn't mean that i can't appreciate the nuances of things you know even if they're sometimes misogynistic okay cool cool all right and so before we wrap i do want to say i think Hagler beat sugar ray <laughs> in that fight. wait Johnny. so like i didn't have context for it but it almost sounded like a like han solo shot first type question <laughs> wait han solo shot first. I, don't get, I don't know oh he's, he's not on there he's not a he's not a star oh, wars fan he's, he's not a star wars fan no, I, mean, I'm, I'm, I'm i got relatively it relatively star warsy but what's the han solo shot <laughs> like, first like I always get to like vibe with Jody over like hip hop references, but this is this is like a me and Emily reference. <laughs> <laughs> so and and it was the fight with Greedo, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, and the original Star Wars. Yes. Oh, yeah. Han Solo definitely shot first. <laughs> yeah. I think we all agree. I think we all agree. <laughs> and I think, I think we, it's something we can agree on. <laughs> we also all agree that I think Hagler won that fight based on the available evidence. So yeah, I, I definitely think he won that fight. But if you go on like all of the boxing groups and whatever, whatever, it's it's kind of a mixed bag. Honestly, it seems like more people think Leonard won the fight. Um, but nah, every time I've watched that fight maybe five or six times, and every time I watch it, I give it to Hagler by like one round. <laughs> Too bad you weren't there that day. So Maurice, you had like a question for me, right? Yeah. Yeah, my question for you is pretty straightforward. You can think about it for a moment. Um, you know, I know that in some respect, you're probably a little bit less of a, a sports fan than Jody and perhaps even me. Um, but if, if you could like pick like one individual from sports or one team from sports to do a podcast episode on, like a tribute, is anybody that comes to mind for you? I used to be, well, so it's, you know, my history with sports is 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 interesting because like I've, I actually discovered kind of like later that I'm actually pretty athletic. Um, so I got into team sports. I got into 
um, volleyball and really love volleyball. And when I was growing up, when I was a kid, I really, really, really loved ice skating, like especially couples ice skating. Um, but I, I watched and recorded on like VHS tapes, like so many hours of ice skating. And it's just the fact that I grew up in Georgia and we didn't really, I mean, we had like, I think we had like a rink, but it's like, it's an expensive sport slash hobby to get into anyway. And I was probably, cause a lot of, a lot of really good ice skaters, like they have ballet training and I didn't have that growing up and all that. But, um, and then of course, as an adult leader, I've gotten into dancing, um, which whether or not people want to admit it is a sport in that you have to be athletic. You can compete, you know, in, in the same way that you can compete in other sports. So I'm a big, actually, I used to be a huge baseball fan. Um, when I was in my preteens and, and early teens, um, I, really? yeah, I was, I loved Atlanta Braves. Um, but hmm. that was probably complicated a little bit by the fact that I had a huge crush on David Justice. I mean, talk about violence, <laughs> violence against women, but, um, yeah, I, I had a huge crush on David Justice, but I, I genuinely liked the sport too. And like watched the sport a lot. Um, but watching baseball, live or playing a sport is always way more interesting to me than like watching it on TV. And if, as as we've talked about endlessly, I don't have a great memory. So I don't have like, I don't, I was in a film club in college. I studied film in college, right? But I don't have like, I don't rattle off names and stats and favorite movies the way that Maurice does, you know, as a film fan. So like, I've just never had that sort of recall, you know, for, th- for things that I love. I think I just like doing them more than I like, you know, recalling them or, or talking about them so I don't know anyways it, I probably wouldn't do a podcast episode on any athlete because I would much more likely probably watch them live or talk to them or have an interview with them um but maybe I don't know maybe some ice skaters I used to be really into ice skaters maybe some dancers you know what I the one thing I, I thought kind of stupidly I could maybe do in the Olympics when I was younger was um I wanted I wanted to to swim in the Olympics when I was much much younger like seven or eight Hmm. but yeah i've always i've always been really athletic but um i think especially as a girl especially as a girl who matured really early um i wasn't sort of given the knowledge or the people didn't look at me and say oh you're such an athlete and so like and then i ended up kind of pulling out of a lot of the athletics i had done when i was younger once i matured at like 10 years old because i just felt weird about my body so you know i think that that's why particularly why sports are so important for girls is because we have so i mean body image issues are becoming a thing across all genders and ages, unfortunately. But I think it's really important for young children to be sort of given the kingdom of athleticism and sports and dancing and moving your body and appreciating your body. I think that's important for everybody. But we definitely need to undo a lot of that sort of systemic cultural stuff that like, you know, we do to girls, like right as your body is changing, and you're needing to get to know it even better. I think it's most important for you to have a solid understanding of your body through sports and how it moves and how you can depend depend upon it and, you know, and all of those things. I think on that note, um, we should close it out unless anybody has anything else. No, No, we had a really cool conversation. (laughs) I'm looking forward to seeing what Maurice sends us for his episode. All right. Well, on that note, thank you for listening to this week's episode of Did You Hear That Podcast, where we cover our favorite podcast so that you don't have to, or maybe you do want to. We'll check you later. (laughs) Am I saying your last name right, Jody? Am I saying your first name right? Close enough. Oh, how should I be saying it? <laughs> He's never said it to us. Jadi and window. Yeah, you said it right that time I didn't, right, Jadi? Yeah. He said it right, I didn't. I'm not I'm not making a big deal out of it. M window. Okay. window. You said Mwindo right, I didn't in mine. <laughs> well that's because you're saying it wrong right now. M window. Yeah, I know I don't know why. I was it's gonna like- 
Nintendo. It's like a it's like a Super Nintendo. <laughs> I never heard that one before. <laughs> See, if we were buddies back in the day, I would hook you up with that, bro. No, I'm joking. I heard that all the time. <laughs> Nintendo. 